we present part two of Institute, Destitute, Substitute by Nigel Banks. Yes, I can see that. Um, But what I don't get is how you've ended up here. (sighs) My old fault. I was never any good with money. Shirley always used to take care of all the practical side of things. After she died, I fell into a deep depression and got myself into debt. That's when I stupidly allowed myself to be ripped off by one of those financial scams. They took me to the cleaners and I had to sell the house to repay what I owed. What about family or friends? Couldn't they have helped out? I don't have anyone, really. Now Shirley's gone. Nobody close. No children? A son from my first marriage. But he emigrated to Australia years ago. Haven't heard from him in ages. We were never close. I've probably got grandkids out there I've never seen. That's too bad. You got kids? No. Uh, I couldn't have any. We did talk about adoption, but it never came to anything. Both of us were focused on our careers, so we put our energies into those and having exotic holidays. We both love to travel. I've got cats instead. I suppose they're my children. I would like to have a dog, but with us both out at work all day, it wouldn't be fair. Maybe when I've retired, I... Talk about wishing your life away. No, you're right. Best foot forward, count my blessings, or whatever mindfulness cliché you can come up with. Lord, is that the time? Folks will be starting to arrive soon, and I haven't got the place ready yet. Too busy yakking with you. So, if you don't mind, could you be on your way, please? Right. Would it be acceptable if I used the facilities before I go? Oh, yes, of course. The gents' second door on the right down the corridor. (coughs) I, I say, what's wrong with your foot? You're limping. Oh, just blisters. Occupational hazard for the itinerant. These shoes were kindly donated to me when my old ones gave out. They're a bit tight. There's a first aid box in the kitchen. There'll be some plasters you can use. Thank you. What's your name, by the way? I forgot to ask. Does it matter? I'll be gone soon. I don't suppose we'll ever meet again. I know, but I'm Lydia. Lydia Greenwood. Charmed, I'm sure. The name's Rayner. Pleased to meet you, Mr Rayner. Are you really, though? Am I not rather an inconvenience? The unexpected interloper who's added to your troubles in paradise? You won't give me a second thought once I've gone. Just another chance encounter, best forgotten. I get them every day out on the road. Well, that's very cynical. I prefer to call it plain speaking, which is what I thought you liked, isn't it? Excuse me, nature calls. That's me told. Great, just what I needed. Hi, Judith, everything okay? Oh no, you're kidding me. Oh, so there's no chance he can get here in time? Oh no, of course, not his fault. Just our luck, ruddy trains. I'll call Norma and give her the heads up. She can think of something. She is the chair, after all. 
About time she earned her stripes. Right, thanks for letting me know. I can take my time sitting up now. Doesn't matter if we're starting late. Okay, see you later. Bye, bye. Oh, best laid schemes and all that. What I'd give to be sat at home with my feet up and a nice glass of Chardonnay in my hand. Oh well, better ring Norma and give her the bad news. Hello, Norma. Sorry to bother you. Just to warn you, our guest speaker's been unavoidably delayed. Yes, I know. There's a power line down south of Preston. According to Judith, they're putting in an emergency bus service, but he wouldn't get here till 9.30 at the earliest, so she told him not to bother. It is a shame, isn't it? Never mind. Worst things happen at sea. We'll just have to reschedule him. Anyway, I just thought I'd give you the heads up so you can put your thinking cap on about what we do instead tonight. A quiz, maybe? Or party games? No, perhaps not. <laughs> I'll leave it with you. No, I'm here at the hall getting the chairs set out, remember? Right, see you soon. Bye, Norma. Bye. <laughs> That's up to her pulse rate. Now she'll have to come up with something to keep the troops happy after they've scoffed their tea and cake. I found the first aid box eventually. Not where I expected it to be. Why? Where was it? In the fridge. What? Oh, I give up. Who in their right mind would put it in there? Give it here and I'll sort you out a plaster. Well, you were in a hurry to get the room set up. <sighs> Change of plan. The speaker's not coming. His train from Manchester's been unavoidably delayed. He wouldn't get here in time now. So we'll have our normal agenda followed by the refreshment break and then sit twiddling our thumbs making superficial chit-chat, no doubt. Unless Norma Brooks, our illustrious chair, can come up with an impromptu alternative. At least I should be able to get home in good time and have an early night. That's a shame. It seems fate, or the gods, depending on your creed, have decided otherwise. Well, God may well work in a mysterious way, but sometimes the mystery is a bit too deep for simple mortals like me. Yes. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophies. Did you make that up? No. It's Shakespeare again. He has a memorable quote for most situations. I mean, he had a working vocabulary of over 30,000 words. That's not to mention the words and phrases he himself invented, many of which are still in common usage today. Really? Such as? Well, let's see. Accommodation. Um, belongings. But you've used those words hundreds of times. Um, footfall, a word now so popular in our retail mad society. Well, you learn something every day. If I'd been told that kind of stuff when I was at school, I might have taken more of an interest. The way we were taught it just seemed so dry and, well, irrelevant. Talking of footfall, we'd better inspect the damage. Come on, get them off. I beg your pardon? Your shoes and socks. I want to have a look at those blisters. I, I must apologise for the state of my hosiery, not to mention the feet within them. Oh, a definite aroma of Stilton, or rather a ripe camembert. 
don't worry, we'll soon get them fettled. Or should that be fiddled? <laughs> hmm. More like a well-aged gorgonzola, I'd say. My dad always used to say that good cheese should smell of old toes. So if this sock were a piece of cheese, I'd wolf it down. When did you last eat, out of interest? I found a half-eaten pasty in a rubbish bin this morning. I don't like pasties, but you can't afford to be choosy. Dear, you must be starving. I'll bring you some tea and cake once I've done your feet. Thank you. That will be most acceptable. Apologies again for my dirty feet. I'm afraid personal hygiene is one of the first things to go by the board when you become a person of no fixed abode. You stop noticing after a few weeks. But other people don't, if you come into close contact. It's a sure way of acquiring a decent amount of personal space in the public arena. Ooh, oh, sorry. Clumsy me. It must be very tender there. There's some antiseptic cream here. I'll put some on the raw places and then put plasters on for now. It might sting a bit, but sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. <laughs> Do you realise what you've just said? Well, I was just apologising for hurting you. No, I mean... Cruel to be kind. That's Shakespeare again. Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 4. Really? I thought it was just an old saying or proverb that everybody uses. Well, it is now. But Shakespeare was the chap who invented it over 400 years ago. Now it's passed into everyday usage along with dozens of his other words and phrases. He and the writers of the King James Bible are mainly responsible for creating the modern English language. I didn't know that. So, what else do we say that he invented? There's loads of things. Uh, fast and loose. Uh, budge an inch. Um, in one fell swoop. You're kidding. No. Beggared all description. All I yesterdays. In my mind's eye. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I could go on all night about the impact he had on our language. And, of course, how exciting the theatre was in his day. What it must have been like to go to the playhouse and see the first ever performance of Julius Caesar or Twelfth Night. Oh, to be able to travel back in time. Oh, you're obviously a real expert. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was lucky enough to have a great teacher at school. Dick Wilkinson. He was so passionate about literature, drama in particular, you couldn't help but be infected by his enthusiasm. Sadly, he died young. All that knowledge and experience just gone. All those hundreds of other pupils that he could have passed it on to. Such a waste. I suppose that's what inspired me to become a teacher. Oh, he sounds fantastic. You were lucky. I never had a teacher like that. Ours were either boring or scary. I don't think any of them really liked children. We were just there in the classroom under sufferance. We were all just waiting for the bell to go. <laughs> I know the feeling. I'm afraid I wasn't cut from the same cloth as Wilkie. Didn't take me long to realise that I was never going to be an inspirational sort of teacher. It's more like one of your boring ones. I'm sure you weren't. I'm already fascinated. I'd love to hear more. I bet you made far more of an impact than you realise. Well, I did once bump into this chap. Roger... Roger Parkinson, his name was. 
I didn't recognise him at first because he was middle-aged and balding. He'd been in one of my first seminar groups. Apparently he was there by default. He'd signed up to a completely different course. But due to some administrative cock-up, he ended up in my class. He was all set to walk out, he told me. But something I said, a joke I made perhaps, caught his ear and made him stay. And when he left college, he went on to drama school and became an actor. He never became a star, but he's carved out a solid career doing theatre mainly, with the odd small roles in TV dramas and films. He thanked me for opening a door into a wider world, as he put it. Well, there you are then. I'm sure there have been many others you've inspired as well. I doubt it. I think the students who did well on my course probably did so in spite of my teaching, rather than because of it. In later years, I found myself just going through the motions. Also, the whole ethos of education had changed. Learning wasn't seen as a worthwhile end in itself. It had become merely a means to an end. A passport or a qualification, and then a well-paid job. Well, you can't blame young people for being aspirational. Is that the right word? Yes. It's very much the inward with our politicians. Trouble is, many of the students I found myself dealing with latterly had unrealistic aspirations. And we're really interested in the concept of education. One meaning of which in the original Latin is to lead out. Nowadays, students seem incapable of taking in information unless it's in bite-sized chunks, preferably with visual illustration and a musical backing track. Oh, I know that one. The number of times some DHSC wonk has come to give us the latest tablets from on high about managing budgets, i.e. cutting services, but making it sound as though patients, sorry, service users, are getting more, not less. They'll give this PowerPoint presentation, all singing, all dancing with the fancy highlighted text and all the latest acronyms on screen. And they're just reading out what's there for all to see. And you think, "Mm, I bet you're getting paid more than I earn in a month for this. No wonder the NHS is in such a bad state. Oh, sorry about that. Bad day at the office. Yes, it often seems as though the lunatics have taken over the asylum. We sound like a real couple of old fogies. You're not old. Well, not compared to me. I feel old. Old before my time. Oh, the world changes so fast you can't keep up. I find myself wishing I could just jump off the treadmill, go and live in the Orkneys or somewhere like that where it's still relatively unspoilt. I tried that back in the early 70s. What was it like? Not all it was cracked up to be. Living in a commune in a giant teepee in the middle of Wales... Getting your head together with like-minded flower people sounded great. All very right on. But the reality of being miles from the nearest shops and the sheer discomfort of being cold and wet most of the time rather took the gloss off the idyll. I only lasted three months, then went back to the real world with my tail between my legs. So you're an old hippie? (laughs) Yes. And ironically, the wheel has turned full circle. Well, how do you mean... Well, I suppose I'm an old-age traveller now. You shouldn't be in this position, a man of your education. 
Things are no better now in 2018 than they were 50 years ago. I'm afraid harsh economic reality and the decline of the welfare state decree otherwise. You'd be surprised how many similar stories of folk being made homeless I've come across in my travels. And the situation's only going to get worse. With a government committed to cutting back on social care. Well, you'll know all about that. Yes, unfortunately. So, what, I mean, how do you see your future? <laughs> I don't. If nothing else, my situation has taught me to live in the now. I don't make plans. Just day-to-day -day survival. My perspective on life has completely changed. Small victories like a free hot meal or a bed for the night are giant bonuses. All those things one took for granted in a previous existence. Of course. Which reminds me, I'll go and get that tea and cake for you. Thank you. Much appreciated. I've just had a thought. It may be totally out of order, but how would you feel about being our guest speaker tonight, now that Dr Addison's not coming? You could talk about Shakespeare and the language he invented, the things you were telling me about. I'm sure our ladies would be fascinated. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm a bit out of practice. Oh, you don't need to worry. You'll get a very friendly reception. Well, if you're sure. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could talk about the playhouses in Elizabethan times and what it was like to go to the theatre in those days. Oh, they'll love that. We've got a fair few drama queens in our ranks. I'm looking forward to meeting them. I better start thinking about what I'm going to say. My brain works better if I stand up and pace around. I'll put my shoes and socks back on. Uh, 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 not those socks, Mr Rayner. I think they've had it. There'll be some in the lost property basket. There may not be a matching pair, but at least they'll be dry. I'll go and see what I can find and bring you your tea. Things are looking up. Now, how shall I begin? Um, how about... Friends, Romans, WI ladies, lend me your ears. I come to praise Shakespeare, not to bury him. The evil that teachers do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. I am, of course, paraphrasing one of the most famous speeches in the Bard's canon. Second only on the list, probably, after to be or not to be in Hamlet. Hmm. Not bad for an opening gambit. Then what? Uh, <clears throat> My intention this evening is to give you some insights into the life and times of our most illustrious poet and playwright by means of some anecdotes and quoted excerpts from his plays and sonnets. Yeah, so far, so good. Here we are. Two socks, one red and the other green. Very fetching. I've just had another thought. One of our members, Gillian Kay, is a county councillor. She's on the housing committee. Very genuine, public-spirited lady. I could ask her about your situation if you like. If she can't do anything herself, she'll certainly know someone who might be able to help you. That's much appreciated. Right. I'll just get your tea and cake. Right, let's get these socks on. Which way? 
Oh, red on the left foot, I think. Must get my political allegiances correct. <coughs> Good fit, these socks. Shoes are still a size too small, though. At least I've got plasters on my blisters. Bit of protection. <coughs> you come to this sitting in a village hall in the middle of nowhere dependent on the kindness of strangers and that's another thing Raina you have become this rattlebag of quotations and literary allusions that count for diddly squat in the real world why didn't you heed your dad's advice and learn a practical trade instead of going to academia oh well too late now. Tea up, Mr Rayner. I wasn't sure if you'd take sugar, so I brought it in case. No, I don't, thanks. And call me Colin. I'll leave you to it for a bit, Colin, if you don't mind. I need to set out the crockery and put the urn on. No problem. Oh, and you don't need to worry about a bed for tonight, or tomorrow night for that matter. How come? Because you'll be coming home with me. My husband Derek and I will be glad to have you as our guest. That's very kind of you. My heartfelt thanks again. Lydia. You're very welcome, Colin. Oh, wonder. How many goodly creatures are there here? How beauteous mankind is. Oh, brave new world. Now, let them eat cake. Hey! <coughs> if it be not now, tis not to come. If it be not to come, it will be now. If it be not now, yet it will come. The readiness is all. Hamlet, act five, scene two. I was just thinking we could go into town tomorrow and get you some new clothes. I think the ones you're standing up in are past their sell-by date. Colin? Having 40 winks, are we? Oh, I don't blame you. You must be worn out. Oh, did you drop the plate? Colin? Colin, are you all right? Oh, no. In part two of Institute, Destitute, Substitute by Nigel Banks, the part of Linda was played by SJ Vent and Colin by Nigel Banks. Recording, effects and editing were done by Robbie Burgess and the play was produced by Nigel Banks. This was a Revenge FM production. <laughs>